never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that attempted to sneak into the Oscars ceremony. But we got caught because we didn't have Majora's Mask. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. What's <laughs> up, here? <laughs> Not much. I swear there was a bomb in one of those envelopes, and they just wouldn't let us in to find it. <laughs> I don't know what the deal was. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you watch the Oscars this weekend? No, I didn't. I caught everything. Well, not even everything. I caught some bits of it secondhand, but um, nobody yeah, didn't, didn't no one got slapped. No one got slapped, and Jimmy Kimmel made like a joke about it. Um, yeah, of course. That was about it. That was <laughs> nice. about it. Um, I feel like uh, there was a couple, in my opinion, surprises, but I feel like it was a kind of a predictable Oscars, to be completely honest. Um. Mostly because I kind of saw like the uh, everything everywhere all at once basically was the big winner of the night and yeah. they, and pretty much everything. Um, so and then for a little bit there, I thought that uh, All Quiet on the Western Front was going to just sweep because they started winning weird stuff. And you're just like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> um, yeah. But um, good for everybody. Um, real happy for Kihu Kwan. Uh, he deserved that. Um so that guy just I, I really like whether I saw the movie or not, I'm like, I want this guy to win just because he's just a ball of like positive energy. And it's just it's to be such a cool thing to watch this guy win. Um, so awesome. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The other big story I feel was like uh, Brendan Fraser, of course, um, yeah. which is kind of cool that I don't know. I feel like he's always been an actor who was there and he um, he really engulfed so many people's childhoods. But I think it's just like I feel like it's just now he's finally getting a lot of the uh respect that he's been due his entire career so that was really awesome to see and uh i haven't seen every everything everywhere all at once yet uh we might get into that a little bit later but uh it is uh you know it does fit into the weird nerdy sci-fi genre stuff we love so it's always awesome to see that sort of thing get some recognition you know what i mean so yeah because there hasn't been a lot of that in the realm of uh academy award history uh, <laughs> absolutely let's uh let's not bury the lead on that one but let's um just kind of roll into the episode if that's cool with you um what did you did you get a chance to watch anything leading up to uh, the oscars or are you just kind of uh, sticking with i yeah yeah i have not watched a lot but i was able to watch the uh season finale of last of us and right. uh, I thought that was awesome. Uh, and I that's literally it for me this week. So okay. I don't know if you have anything you want to delve into. Yeah, we'll get to Last of Us in a minute because that'll segue into news night news nicely. Um, so I wanted to watch some more of the Oscar nominations, but I ended up like watching one more Oscar nomination before the Oscars. And then I watched a random other movie that 
I wasn't expecting to watch, but it was more like, oh, nice. I want to see that. So I watched it anyway. And then Last of Us. So the random one is a movie called 355. Um, this is uh, this movie came out. It was the first release of 2022. And uh, I just thought it looked cool. And I was like, we're going to check this out. And why not? And then I forgot about it. And then it disappeared. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, wait, it's over here on Amazon. Let's watch it. Um, OK, nice. So it's essentially a uh, it's kind of like a Tom Clancy Rainbow Six kind of a movie, mm-hmm. but it's based around uh, female operatives. So you have like someone from like a female operative from like every like one from uh, German intelligence, one from the CIA, one from British intelligence, one from uh, what's the other area? What's the other uh Japanese intelligence like it's it's like all these um agents kind of got lumped in together by mistake into this into the same it's like they all like went after the same thing didn't realize that okay. they were, you know a, a working against each other and then once they found out what was really going on they kind of joined forces to solve the problem together um hmm. it's kind of cool it was based on it's not I don't know if it's based on a true story to be completely honest um but it was they did talk about how um, the first female agent or the first female CIA agent or something like that was discussed at the very beginning of the movie. So it was clearly going to be like this women empowerment kind of a thing. But it was a really cool action movie with this really like intricate espionage plot line. So nice. you're looking for something of that ilk. Um, Diane Kruger, Jessica Chastain, uh, Sebastian Stan. um it was it was a fairly decent sized cast and I was like this is cool I was having a lot of fun with it so oh Penelope Cruz is in it um yeah cool cast um nice so it was fun uh then I watched the Fablemans which is the Steven Spielberg directed written produced Steven Spielberg biopic if you will <laughs> I guess is the best way okay. to work. Steven Spielberg basically made a movie about his childhood growing up him becoming in love with movies and then his parents getting divorced. Um, Wow. uh, That is the ultimate point of that movie. So when you're watching it, like the kid in the movie is supposed to be Steven Spielberg. And I guess the kid was like, and those asides in the, in the movies, like when they're making it like, Hey, how much of this really did happen? And Spielberg's like everything. (laughs) Uh, It all happened. Uh, So it was, it's really, really cool to watch. If you really like, if you like movies, you're going to love it because you get to see him build a lot of these. Uh, you get to see him like learn and experiment. And, you know, when you see some of the tricks he did, like, oh, that's really clever how he did that. Um, there's some really cool stuff in the movie. Um, that's the, well, that sounds ahead. awesome. Um, I honestly have heard a little bit of hype for this movie, The Fablemans, but I didn't know anything about it. Like, to me, it almost sounded like it was like a weird Wes Anderson-esque indie movie, just just based on the oh. title or something. But no, hearing your description of it, it sounds awesome. And uh, it sounds like it's a mixture between you have the dramatized, like, retelling of Steven Spielberg's childhood, and then you have, like, documentary-esque, like, confessional sequences with, like, Steven Spielberg and maybe some of the other real people. Is that accurate? No, it's like a scripted okay. drama story, like... 
Well, because you said there's the sides where. Uh, oh no! Like I was, that's like an interview with the, the 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 main kid in an interview said that he sat down with Spielberg and asked him directly how much of it. Actually- oh, I get what you're saying. I didn't know if that was like spliced directly no, no, into no, no. the film because that reminds me a lot of uh, the movie American Splendor, which I've talked a ton about. But yeah. American Splendor is filmed that way, and I didn't know if it was that sort of thing because I haven't really heard of that outside of American Splendor. So that's just, just why I was asking, you know? Yeah, I gotcha. No, this is, um, it's literally just a scripted drama, um, about Steven Spielberg. Nice. Um, so instead of the Spielbergs, it's the Fablemans. Right. Um, but, uh, Paul Dano is, plays his father and he is awesome throughout. It's fan. It's, he's awesome. <laughs> so good. Uh, Seth Rogen's in the movie. He's amazing. He's really, really good. Uh, Michelle Williams plays his mom um, she's the only part of the movie that kind of bugged me and not because she's bad. I just felt like she wasn't the strongest choice for the role. Not that I could put a finger on who should play the role, but I was like, I feel like they could have gotten a better actress for this. That's the only thing that was going through my head. Um, interesting. The, uh, and the third act sits really funny with me when I watch it. And I think it's just because the subject matter shifts pretty, like once they shift onto the divorce stuff, that's when the movie kind of turns a little bit. Um, <laughs> it took you across the bridge to Terabithia, if you will, and it got yeah, too real yeah. too fast. <laughs> right. So you have to kind of sit through some of that. And it's like that some of that stuff's kind of heart wrenching. But in a general sense, the movie is it's a wonderful movie. So nice. Yeah, that sounds I, really awesome. I definitely it was check this it out was now. one of the best picture nominees. So I wanted to make sure I got that in. Um and then, yeah, I watched Last of Us. And I actually watched two episodes of Last of Us back-to-back, the second-to-last and the finale back-to-back. So and what a, what a two episodes to watch back-to-back, in my opinion. I know. It was funny. Last two episodes behind. were awesome. Well, I got behind, and I knew that I was like, you know what? Let's just not worry about it until the Monday after Oscars, because I, I took the day off of work uh, to basically <laughs> Nice. I was like, I'm going to stay up and watch the Oscars, and I'm going to have a drink or two, and I'm not going to want to get up at 5 a.m. the next morning. So... That's I awesome. took the day off of work on purpose, took some comp time, stayed home, and I was like, well, once the, once I had the house to myself, like kid off to school, everyone else out of the built, uh, wife off to work, kid off to school, I was like, I guess I'm going to watch Last of Us. Um, so the second to last episode was great. It was awesome. Um, I was really excited to see Troy Baker um, in the show as one of the cannibal enforcer guys. <laughs> Spoiler, but yeah, totally. <laughs> um, well, I mean... All right, so I hear you when I when you say spoiler about the cannibal thing. Um, but when you're watching a show like that, it, I don't think it comes to too big of a surprise that people like that exist in that world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, seeing Troy Baker was a nice surprise because Troy Baker voices Joel in the game, and Ashley Johnson voices Ellie in the game, and neither one of them were cast for the live action because for one, Ellie. Uh, Ashley Johnson's too old um, and why they didn't ch- choose Troy Baker. That's a different conversation, but they, we knew they both got cameos in the show. So I was looking yeah. forward to seeing both of them. <clears throat> Sorry for the cough there. I'm still coming down from whatever ailment I had last week. It's like the tail end of whatever this is. Anyway, uh, hmm. Troy Baker was actually really, really good. Um, I was really happy to see him. He was great in the episode. Um, and then, uh, we move into the finale and you see at, and the show opens with Ashley Johnson pregnant, running through a forest. And you're just like, oh man. 
And then you're watching this sequence and you're just like, God, she is such an amazing, she's like, she is such a good actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was such a powerful, powerful scene to begin with. And then that whole episode was amazing. Um, and then, um, I know I've talked about Ashley Johnson being on the show Critical Role before, and I'm a big fan of their work over there. Um, but Critical Role actress Laura Bailey is also one of the voice actors for Last of Us, the video game. And if you know where to look, Laura Bailey pays, plays one of the nurses in the finale. Um, nice. So it was like, oh, hey, look at that, you know? So it was like a surprise cameo there, too. Um, but yeah, so it was just a real, I thought it was a really solid finale. Um, yeah, that's what I got. I don't know what your uh, review is for it. So, well, well, first of all, I didn't realize that Ashley Johnson <laughs> was playing Ellie's mother and, uh, oh. that she had that role in the show. Like, well, I didn't realize she voiced Ellie, I guess I should say in the game. And then she played her mother in the show. Like, it's such a cool way to homage, uh, her part in the video games because, like you said, she's just not she's just too old to actually play her in the show. But what a cool way to uh, to really homage that. But honestly, like I think I mentioned this last week, but episode eight, I thought was so suspenseful. It was awesome. It brought up we mentioned the cannibalism. It brought up some crazy ethical concerns, but it did it in a very suspenseful, like super crazy survival horror sort of way and that was kind of the tone that i think i've been wanting out of this show the whole time like the show's been great but i just always was like i know they can reach a different level of suspense than what they've been giving us and i felt like episode eight reached that and then we go into episode nine which i feel like we talked about was supposed to be a shorter episode but it was like a full like 56 minutes or something like that but episode nine it was kind of just the same level. Like it started out with that intense uh, birthing scene that we kind of hinted at there. And then you get into Joel and Ellie trying to continue their journey. And uh, you kind of see them going through this uh, apocalyptic city and discussing their journey so far and uh, their relationship for lack of a better term, their friendship and appreciation of each other And uh, there were some really touching moments, but I think those moments were like super necessary for how the rest of the episode played out. Like they needed that that last like affirmation of how much Ellie means to Joel at this point and why he went on the crazy sort of rescue mission again, for lack of a better term, (laughs) at the end of the episode. But it was so intense and it again, brought up some crazy ethical concerns and the fact that Joel kind of has to keep hidden what he did in this in this season finale obviously sets up some like really great bits of tension for next season. And like, I'm not going to lie, like Last of Us, certain episodes this season was a show that I wasn't looking forward to, like I was enjoying it, but certain episodes it's like all right I'll watch it you know get through the show but by the end by these last two episodes I am so pumped for what's coming next and I think that's a little bit of just a symptom of it being a first season and they have to go through backstories and establish their world but I feel like the show's really found its footing and I'm ready to go into the next season and I feel like the show's just gonna hit the ground running and just kick some ass if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm pumped on the show right now, you know? 
Yeah, I'm with you. And since you mentioned next season, um, because we'll be moving into, I guess, Last of Us Part 2, um, if you will, yeah. in terms of the video games, um, they're going, they said that uh, Part 2 will have will have to be adapted into multiple seasons. Um, so right they've already basically declared we're getting a third season, which is awesome, but they said there's no way they can do it in one, so they're gonna be, we're getting at least two more. We'll see what happens, because nice. once they get beyond the second game, there's no more game to base it on. So, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, so they could, run, <laughs> right. they, could, they could run into a Game of Thrones situation where they have to, like, you know, finish that out. Um, HBO 2's Last of Us Season 2 will also feature a lot more Infected. So um, that's the one thing I've been craving more of. Assured fans that there's a before, lot more. So. <laughs> uh, the creators assured fans that there will be a lot more infected in season two. After some criticized the show for not having enough action, um, I think people who <laughs> HBO people Max who, is listening to our show. <laughs> well, well, there's that sure, but my my thinking is is that um, the people who criticized the lack of action in the show, I don't think they fully understood what they were trying to accomplish with the show, but it is a video game that they're basing it on. So where's the action sequences that I should have? You know what I mean? So I don't think I never thought it was lack of action in the show, but I do think like there just needed to be more infected. But um, at the same time, I'm the guy who watched Zombieland and said there wasn't enough zombies in it. So maybe I'm not the best judge. Well, <laughs> but I do think there was a lack of infected um, in a lot of the episodes. So. Funny that you bring up the Zombieland thing, because uh, I remember watching Zombieland thinking the exact same thing until you get to the theme park. To, to the end. Yep. Yeah. And they clearly like just held off the budget for that. You know what I mean? So um, true. True. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that kind of segues us into news kind of nicely, and there's hardly any news. So let's talk about what we do have. Um, we don't talk about games very often, and I'm not talking about a video game on this aspect. I'm talking about a tabletop game. Right. Magic the Gathering, to be specific. Um, so if you're a Magic the Gathering fan, like, I dabbled. I played a little bit back in the day, and I guarantee if I wanted to break out my cards and go play at the local game store today, everything I own is illegal and no longer tournament legal <laughs> at the table. Um, they're banned yeah. cards now, that kind of thing. So, um, but a while back, and I didn't talk about it on the show, but a while back, Magic the Gathering did a Dungeons and Dragons crossover where D&D got a source book based entirely off of Magic the Gathering, um... Journey through Strixhaven, I believe is what it's titled. Um, okay. But, and then Magic the Gathering did a Dungeons & Dragons card set. Um, I meant to try and grab a couple packs of it, but I never got a chance to, and I know it's long gone now, and it probably uh, costs a lot of money to try and track some of that down. Um, Magic the Gathering is teaming up with Lord of the Rings, and is officially getting a Lord of the Rings Middle-Earth crossover. Um... Uh, nice. Magic the Gathering card set will be legal for play in the Magic the Gathering's modern format, and the set includes iconic characters and items, obviously like Gandalf the Grey and the One Ring itself, and there's a trailer online for it, which looks, um, which I, the trailer, no, it's just images, um, and they look fantastic, and I was like really kind of blown away by the imagery of it, um, 
So those nice. of you who are Lord of the Rings fans and whatnot, I just thought I'd bring it up and say, hey, I thought that was kind of cool. And we don't talk about tabletop games that often, so why not? Right on. Um, okay. Some brief Disney news. Bob Iger's been talking a little bit more. Uh, Disney boss confirms an all-new Avengers team is coming to the MCU. Um, that's it. Iger okay. talks very uh, quietly and coded, and um, he doesn't say a lot when it comes to like news like that. If you've been watching and you're concerned about the direction of Phase 4 and stuff, of course there's a new Avengers coming. They're building towards it. They, they're in... I guess they're in chapter two, phase one, just ended, if you will. Do you know what I mean? So um, that's not the best way of wording it. But if you were to take the entire Infinity story as one chapter, or yeah. one book, they're just they just finished phase one of whatever this new book is, you know. Um, so, yeah, of course, we got that coming. And we also have the Thunderbolts, which the Thunderbolts could actually be the next Avengers team, if you will. You know, so I don't know if you have your if you have thoughts on that, Peter, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit hoping that the Thunderbolts is going to fill the um, Guardians of the of the Galaxy sort of uh, void with like your rag ragtag group of uh, anti heroes or however you want to describe it. But um, I think I kind of feel like we kind of know that there's going to be another Avengers team, like an all new team coming for us. I just think it hasn't been officially announced. So I ha I don't have a lot to say. I just feel like, yeah, I mean, we kind of all saw that coming, right? But uh, awesome to hear it, like, kind of officially announced in a weird way. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, all right. There's apparently a sil sil civil Silver Surfer show coming uh, for Disney+. Plus. Um, this sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, and it looks like the uh, Fantastic Four direct Max Shackman is um potentially attached to it i wonder if this is going to be if you think about it we got the fantastic four coming is this going to be the actual coming of galactus to the mcu and um will it be done i mean look at this point galactus is they just had modok on screen there's no way they're not doing galactus correctly <laughs> however would they take the time to put galactus in the fantastic four movie as the main villain, or would uh, they let Doctor Doom be the main villain there and use Galactus to be ushered in through um, the Sil Silver Surfer show for the Fantastic Four sequel, if you will? Uh, but then again, we don't want both Fantastic Four sequels to be focused on Galactus because that could be weird. <laughs> so my prediction would be you have the Fantastic Four movie where Dr. Doom is going to be the main villain and then Galactus gets teased in a post credit scene. And then Galactus is like the main villain in the silver surfer show, because that would just make all the sense in the world, but I could be wrong and they could throw a curveball at us and not do any of that. But I feel like that seems super logical if they go that route. Yeah. Um, but I am kind of curious if the fan, if the, if the Silver Surfer movie will also cover more of the Heralds of Galactus. Because he's not the only one. So it makes me wonder if they'll cover more of that. And uh, But hey, you know, if we get to see Galactus, that's cool. If it's just Silver Surfer, that's kind of cool too. Because that would be just a kind of a cool show to begin with. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, um, sounds awesome. All right. Iger had a couple other comments about Star Wars, uh, specifically referring to Solo. Um, after disappointing Solo box office, Disney is being very careful about future Star Wars movies. Now, I talked last week about a quote that Bob Iger had already that he said he was going to be very careful about the next movie that comes out. It's nice to hear him say it was a disappointing Solo box office. However, I think Solo's box office suffered from a couple things. It came out way too close to The Last Jedi. The fan base, because of The Last Jedi, was very split. And I think some people just boycotted the movie altogether. Um, I honestly think that's the whole big flaw of Solo and not the performance of the film itself. Because I actually really liked Solo. I thought there was actually a fairly good movie. So it's really hard for me to say that why it got trounced on. But I really do want to blame the internet community for screwing up Solo's performance. Um, hmm. Iger specifically said... Um, quoting here maybe the cadence was a little too aggressive we're going to make sure when we make one it's the right one so we're going to be very careful is all he said so um it's i wonder what he means by the cadence of the movie uh but i, I almost feel like it's the cadence of how frequent they were they were releasing star wars stuff at the time like they really got in this mode where like we're gonna have a star wars movie every year like it's like well you know we're gonna have a we're gonna have a sequel trilogy movie then the next year we're gonna have a um you know we're gonna have rogue one and then we're gonna have another sequel trilogy then we're gonna have solo and i feel like maybe that's what it was when he's referring to the cadence but um yeah solo is a weird a weird issue because i feel like everybody i know who's seen the movie likes it I haven't heard a lot of people who have bad things to say about it, but maybe it was just a wrong place, wrong time sort of thing for that project, you know? Yeah, well, I think they shot themselves in the foot about saying one Star Wars movie a year. I got yeah. real excited when that was announced. Like, one Star Wars movie? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, they give us two to three marvel films a year in the year 2023 we're getting seven marvel films by the yeah. way seven marvel films this next this year <laughs> um that being said the i there's an issue of oversaturation and i don't think they had they didn't have star wars fully under their grasp when they made that announcement and we didn't really know that at the time and now in hindsight i think they really shot themselves in the foot on that one so let's not say dumb stuff if you will so let's see what happens. I'm excited for whatever it is they put out next, but I'm also just enjoying the Mandalorian at the moment and that's okay. So. Yeah. I mean, I guess some star Wars is definitely better than no star Wars. And I feel like, well, I would the, rather watch bad star Wars more than bad, almost anything else. So there's that. Fair, fair enough. Um <laughs> Uh, that's a whole topic we could even go into, but yeah. um, what I was going to say is the most important thing I think I could say about uh, Bob Iger's comments about Solo here is that I feel like it's such a vague statement and this is such a vague topic and there's so many, there's so many hypotheticals we could go into about like if Han Solo was casted different or, you know, maybe people didn't react that well to Alden Ehrenreich's performance and like all these there's so many different 
hypotheticals you could go through. But I think you have a good thing that you're mentioning when you say, like, we just kind of have to wait and see what they mean. So this is it's really hard to comment on this without going into our right. weird headcanon hypotheticals as far as the Star Wars release schedule goes, you know. I know. Yeah. Um okay. Now for the last piece of news, like I said, it's a very light news week, but here's the last piece of news and it's my favorite piece of news. Quentin Tarantino has officially announced what his 10th and final film will be called. Um, the movie will be titled the film, sorry, the movie critic. And it's already, and it's set in the late seventies and it apparently features a female lead. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm down for this. I'm also down for Tarantino. I'm even if no matter what the story is, Tarantino famously has said that he didn't go to film school. He went to films. Meaning, meaning I went to the theater and that was my film education and he's made some of the like coolest movies out there. He's one of the like he's one of like he's a director that every single person wants to work with. Um, And his movies make Mad Bank and for whether you like him or not, they're pretty much all good. Um, So I'm really excited to see what this movie critic is about. Um, But just based on the meta idea of it, him being the ultimate critic going, I'm going to go to Hollywood and make movies. So it's going to be set in the late seventies, going to feature female lead. I don't know if it's like, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood, it was essentially a true story, but not really at the same time. I don't know if that's what this is. It's just, he's his 10th and final film will be the movie critic. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. Um, This in a weird way reminds me of, uh, I know I've seen little, like, like there's, I feel like it's it's one of the trailers for like the movie Wall-E or something like the Pixar movie where they talk about like all the big like Pixar creators sitting down at a table at one point and uh, coming up with all these different stories they wanted to tell. Like they wanted to do Toy Story and Finding Nemo and they had a story about Wall-E like they had the story about the robot. And I feel like Quentin Tarantino, when he was just like a dude working at a video store just consuming as many movies as possible. Like, you know, before he was who he is when he was just like an aspiring film director, I feel like he probably did that where he's like, I'm going to do this movie and this movie and this movie. And then I'm going to finish it all off with the movie critic. Like he just, to me, I could be totally wrong. I could be totally off base, but he seems like a long time ago. Yeah. I feel like, and just because the name is the movie critic and I feel like, in a weird way, like he's going to put so much of his real self into the main character or the main characters of this film. And like, it just seems like it makes sense that whatever this is going to be, this project we know nothing about besides the title, but it just seems like it makes sense that this would be the film he goes out on. And it's really interesting. And again, (laughs) this could bring about a ton of more vague hypotheticals, but very interesting stuff for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. And uh, it's this is one of those movies that we talk about now because there's a script that's finished and that is it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like there is nothing else to talk about. So like it's going to be a couple years before we get to talk about it again. So don't forget that it's out there uh, because we're going to be like, hey, we haven't talked about this in a while, you know. So, yeah. Right on. Um, All right, man. Well, that's it for the news. That's it for the watching and reading. We're kind of 
uh, screaming through this episode pretty fast. Um, but do you want to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. All right. It is list time, so let's roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right, Peter. What's up? Um, it is list time. It is a uh, year list. Um, it's time to look back at the year 2022 because the Oscars just happened. Um, we had mega blockbusters this year. We had Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Um, we had the Adam Project. We had um, Turning Red. I wasn't a big fan of that one. But um, we had Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers, Hocus Pocus 2. Um, you know, there were some big ones out there. So let's look back at the year. Um, I watched... 48 of the films uh, that came out in 2022. Um, I wish I, I wish the number was higher, but a lot of times you end up going back and looking at movies. So one of these days we might have to revisit this. Um, and one of the and I might have to do an addendum on this list when I finally get to see everything everywhere all at once, because I have not seen that yet. And I feel ill informed to be doing a list like this. <laughs> Absolutely. But, <laughs> Um, I am going to just say we're going to power through. We'll do this list and maybe I come back and make an addendum to the list. Um, everything everywhere all at once did win the best picture for the year. So there you go. Um, I, yes, I'm glad I'm in good company with, uh, not seeing that movie yet, even though it is a shame and I need to watch that ASAP. Um, I have only seen 35 films this year, <laughs> which meant that this was an easy list. And uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if I was super selective about what I actually watched this year or if it's one of those things that uh, this is the year that uh, my son was old enough to start controlling the uh, remote control in our living room. And I didn't get to watch as much stuff as I wanted. But uh, either way, it, it was a fun list. There were some great movies that came out this year. So I'm excited to uh, get into that with you. Well, that statement about your kid being able to control the remote is a perfect excuse because it happens <laughs> to all of us. Um, Absolutely. The other part was, is when I was looking at the list of what did come out this year, it is very selective. Um, it's, right. it's interesting. Like I was being, I feel like I might have, I might have been very selective as I pieced together, you know, what I was watching for the year. Um, so yeah, I do have two honorable mentions. Uh, as do I. So okay. um, um, yeah, I don't know who goes first this time. It's <laughs> a good question. In theory, you would it would have been your pick. Um, right. So I don't know why not. I'll well, why why don't since I'm picking next week, why don't I go first and then you can do the last pick and then we can move into that. Fair enough. Okay, okay. go ahead. <laughs> so I have two honorable mentions. Uh, my first one I did give a review of on the show, but I actually went with the movie Metal Lords, the uh, Netflix movie that is by um, D and D. You know our Game of Thrones directors. Uh, D.B. Weiss, and uh, I can't remember the other D's name. D.B. <laughs> uh, Weiss and Dan. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean anyway, to pause anyway. the episode here, but I know. Metal... 
yeah, Metal Lords is a really fun movie. If you are into uh, heavy metal and that culture, like, of course, you're going to love this. But I actually think it's a really fun movie if you were one of those guys in high school that wasn't maybe the most popular and had your small select group of friends. And while everybody's off doing their big popular kid stuff you guys are just off doing your own like nerdy projects together there's a lot of that sort of uh vibery i think i might have just made up a word but there's a lot of those sort of vibes Mm -hmm. in this movie um also this movie i could use this as a criticism but i'm gonna use it as uh something that makes the movie really good this movie really follows a sort of school of rock-esque narrative when you actually look at the plot points and uh school of rocks one of my favorite films so this movie kind of has a lot of those school of rock vibes to it as well so uh yeah i really like this one uh it was pretty fun so there you go yeah i have not seen metal lord so i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's all good (laughs) Um, the first honorable mention um this is a honorable mention specifically for me not because the movie is actually that good um it's the movie interceptor um this was a netflix film Mm. Um, it's the reason this is a kind of an honorable mention is because the guy who wrote it, it's, he's my favorite author, but it's his first time writing for the screen. So it's his first time doing a script as opposed to a novel. Um, and if I, if you know his work, it translates really, really well. And you're just like, oh yeah, that's totally his style, that kind of stuff. So for that, the movie was actually pretty good. So if you know his style of writing, if you know his style of storytelling, there's a lot of good stuff that came out of the movie. But the movie ultimately wasn't the best film. However, it was number one on Netflix for two weeks in the nice. realm of what? How did this like? Um, so it was it's it was a, it was a fun ride, but I feel it fell under like a little bit of a niche audience. because I think the majority of the people who did watch it were people who are fans of his work so much more so than the people who are like looking for something new to check out. So um, awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I did you ever watch that one? I still haven't watched it. So, okay. um, yeah, I'll have to um, check that out at some point. Like I said, it's a fun movie. Um, I think you'll I think ultimately you'll enjoy the movie. But this that was a it's a. That one's a special one for me just because I'm a big fan of the uh, writer. Um, right on. Yeah. All right, man. What's your next one? Yeah. So my next honorable mention, I actually went with uh, Clerks 3, uh, another movie we've both reviews, reviewed on the podcast. And uh, this movie was just a ton of fun. You have Kevin Smith with his classic characters coming back. I think it's this movie as bittersweet as the ending was. Like, I think it's it was really well done. And it was it's one of those things we were just talking about Quentin Tarantino's last film and Kevin Smith, somebody who like his last like two or three films, each one you're just every time you're like, well, he could go out on that and it would be like, it'd have the emotional resonance to be his last film. And he tied so many loose ends up and stuff like that. But yeah, I had to mention clerks three. I really enjoyed this. I think I liked it better than uh Jay and silent Bob reboot. And, uh, I think I was just thinking about this movie before the before the podcast. I was just thinking about this, but it's weird because the tragic events that happen in the film and uh, spoiler alert, the character or characters that we lose. It's one of those things where like. Who we lost was never I don't know if he was ever my favorite character out of the bunch, but at the same time, it hurts so bad that they're not there anymore 
and it's one of those things where it shows like you might think that other characters are cooler or more funny, but certain characters are really the heart of the story. And when you lose that character, it just hurts so bad. And I'm spoiling the movie so much, but this was such a bittersweet watch. Like, it's just hard not to comment on that aspect of it. Yeah, I really feel like this was one where, like, I'm going to put those characters to bed. There's no way he was going to get Jeff Anderson to do another movie. You know what (laughs) I mean? No way I'm going to get him to do any more after this one. From Uh, what I've heard, it's been a struggle to get him to do any of the sequels. So that's a really good point. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like we're going to make this a bittersweet ending. We're going to put these characters to bed. And if he tells us some more stories, amazing. I can't wait. I'm still hoping for the Clerks, sorry, Clerks 2, Mallrats 2. So we'll see what happens. Um, But I really, I really enjoyed Clerks 3. I had a lot of fun with it. And it's one that um, sat with me a little differently because I follow Kevin Smith heavy enough that um i got to really um there's a lot if you know the history if you know what goes on because he's so open about things you know the people involved so when you get to cameos and stuff like that you're just like oh my gosh and then knowing the history of the films is all these like little history bits throughout that Mm -hmm. it's just awesome so yeah nice anyway um my next honorable mention is the menu oh Um, nice the movie has not been out long enough for it to sit longer with me. It might have been higher on the list, um, but I really, really enjoyed the menu a lot. It was I feel like it's the one big surprise of the year for me um, where I kind of went in blind and just watching the trailer going something darks happening here and it's cool. And it's I can't wait to see this. Um, and I was very pleased with the film as I watched through it. So. Yeah. yeah. It's it's hard to say much on this one without spoiling anything, but the menu is a really uh, it's just a fun watch. Like it's a movie I think everybody should experience, and uh, it was really awesome. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, man. What is your first pick of the night? Yeah, my first my first actual pick. I actually went with uh, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Um, I <laughs> I reviewed this on the uh, podcast before, but when it comes to down to it, I think this was just a really good animated film like it was really fun it was funny it was kind of everything you would expect from the shrek movie series but i think what really impressed me with this one is the uh animation and some of uh the things they were able to to accomplish in that regard like the uh some of those animated sequences from the movie are just really still, I feel like are jaw dropping and the whole style of it is done in a really cool, like slightly more gritty, slightly more in like post into the spider verse sort of style to it. And I think they just pulled off a really good action packed, heartwarming uh, animated movie. So I don't know if I have too much to say. It's been pretty recently that I, reviewed this but um yeah are you, puss in boots are you bummed out wish. that uh are you bummed out that puss in boots did not win at the oscars no because uh i can't remember who won the animated movie but i it felt was, like that it was pinocchio man del toro gets another oscar it was awesome right which i haven't seen yet but i mean it's guillermo del toro it was one of those things where it's like i can acknowledge that his version of pinocchio is probably the artistic achievement that should have won. But uh, I'm glad to see that uh, Puss in Boots was uh, nominated for that, uh, you know, category. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So my first one of the night is Clerks 3. 
Nice. Don't awesome. really have to. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I can just basically toss it back to you because it's not that. There's not much more to say on it than we already did because it's just a fantastic movie and we kind of heavily reviewed it a little while ago. These are going to sure. be kind of short reviews. I have a feeling so this could make it for a short conversation. But, uh, but yeah, Fruits Three takes the stage for me for the my first pick of the night. So. Nice. Um, so moving into my next pick, um, I actually went to with uh, Scream. Mm. Um, I wish I could say Scream 5, but the movie is titled Scream. And if you watch the film, it makes total sense. And it's actually the smartest title they could have gone with. Yep. But uh, no, this Scream, I mentioned, I don't know how long ago it was, but I mentioned that like Scream as a series, I feel like it's one of the most consistent horror movie series ever like I feel like you watch other slasher movie series and there's always like yeah the first one was great but then there's some real stinkers in there and there might be one or two other ones that are really worth watching but Scream is always like pretty damn good every time they release a film and I feel like this definitely uh definitely followed suit in that regard and I feel like it really had a lot to say about the current state of horror, which is what you'd expect. And it had some clutter, uh, some really clever meta bits to it, which is what you would you would expect. And uh, the new cast of characters is really fun. And I'm just excited for Scream 6, really. I'm, I'm glad this franchise is still alive and doing well. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really, you know, I really wanted to see Scream 6. I don't know if I can squeeze it into my. Right daily schedule which is kind of upsetting because it's in theaters right now um but hey i got my tickets for shazam and mario brothers already so hey that I'm that's awesome those. <laughs> um so in the realm of what's the next movie you're gonna see in the theater it's gonna be shazam for me because i already have the tickets um but no i'm scream was great and i'm i totally hear you with the title um it's such a cool like it, it was such a nice welcome back kind of moment yeah um so i just can't wait for this new one to get a chance to finally see the new one so um but yeah i yeah great pick man um all right so my next one for the night is dr strange and the multiverse of madness nice um this this movie i didn't i was kind of surprised that i put it on here and like i was just kind of going through the list and in terms of like the list of movies that came out this year, aside from not being able to see one and very important one, in my opinion, before we talked about this, the uh, I I felt like I was kind of like, wow, not as much like I feel like this was a massive year for movies, but I feel like not as much as I thought came out. It's, it was really interesting when I was looking mm -hmm. at the list. Um, but Doctor Strange 2 really sat with me in terms of uh, a Marvel film. I think it was the best Marvel film of the year. Um, and I know that's hard to say with the Black Panther stuff, because Black Panther was a phenomenal movie. And there's a lot of emotional stuff in the Black Panther movie. But Black Panther felt very isolated, where I like I'm starting to really enjoy the big picture aspect of what is meant by things that are going on in the realm of the Marvel Universe. Um, Black Panther seemed very isolated, where Doctor Strange seemed very Yes, it was an isolated story, but it seemed big picture in terms of where we're headed and what's going on and that kind of thing. So, um, but I really, really enjoyed it a lot. I loved all the stuff with Scarlet Witch. Um, I love how it reinforced the television shows that we got and vice versa. Um, yeah, so 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think like this is a cool one to mention just because we finally got Sam Raimi directing another uh, Marvel movie. And of course, like with Doctor Strange, you get that cool Sam Raimi, horrific, otherworldly imagery that I feel like worked so well for this story as well. So, yeah, great pick. Cool. All right, man. What's your next one for the next? Yeah, we really are rattling through these, by I know. the way. But, uh... <laughs> no, it's the, the thing is, is like these, for the most part, these are all movies that we've talked heavily about throughout the year. We gave reviews. Yeah, on. that's true. <laughs> we're looking back on the year. I feel like this is our, usually our shorter list anyway um, in terms of our conversation. But if you think about it that way, we're going through this list like at a normal pace. So and, <laughs> and news was really light. So that has nothing against, you know, the episode. So go ahead. Yeah, so for my next pick, I actually went with uh, uh, Glass Onion. Um, oh, I don't really? know the nice. full title if it's Glass Onion, A Knives Out Tale, or it's what. It's a Knives exactly Out that. Mystery, so. There you go. I wasn't sure what the <laughs> quite sure what the tagline was. But, no, I loved Knives, Knives Out, and I thought this was a really good follow-up in multiple ways because you have, again, this is another mystery that uh, Daniel Craig's detective character is involved in again. It's like another intricate mystery story, and that's really fun, and that's what you'd expect. But the movie has so many different unexpected angles to it, like when it comes to the fact that it's a murder mystery party that all the all these like famous characters are going to. Uh, that's like a huge meta aspect to it. And when it comes to the uh, sort of mystery box game that they have to solve to get there. And uh, there's just so many elements that are unexpected, especially with the way that everything plays out. And it has this really cool like Ryan Johnson, like Ryan Johnson's. uh I don't know, like his stamp of approval is everywhere when it comes to like the weird meta aspects to the story. But I just think like it was really well pulled off. It was both familiar and unexpected. And uh, again, just a really fun, intricate tale. So I'm psyched for another Knives Out story if there's one to come, which I'm hoping there is. So there you go. (laughs) Maybe maybe it'll have Muppets. (laughs) <laughs> right on absolutely right? the real question is we were i like to when I, I have i always have people over to watch the oscars and do you remember a while back we did a we did a kind of a off the wall episode of the show where we didn't do a top five list we had a couple guests on and we had and i did like 20 questions of and they were mm-hmm. like do you remember that episode yeah all right now we just literally sat there and i think the episode is just titled questions or 20 questions or something like that but it literally was just me asking you guys like speed questions and y'all had to answer and you guys were getting mad at how hard they were getting. So every year when I have people over for the Oscars, I write a new list of questions and um, it's basically just talking points. So like we get to a commercial break and um, I ask a question and then everyone has to answer. And by, you know, hopefully I can get two questions in during a commercial break. Sometimes I can't, whatever. Um, It was a lot of fun. Well, one of my questions was, in the Muppets version of James Bond, who would you cast as James Bond? <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> and they all started picking Muppets. And I was like, it doesn't have to be a Muppet. Because in the, you know, when you think about, you know, uh, Christmas Carol, Michael Caine played Scrooge in the Muppet version of Christmas Carol. So it doesn't have to be a Muppet. But it was kind of funny because there were people were throwing out ideas. And then one guy goes, how about Grover? And we're all like, OK, you win. Like. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but 
that makes me think about the whole glass onion thing because Daniel Craig played by himself. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I was just thinking like which one is British. That's what I was racking my brain with. So. <laughs> oh, good call. Well, I mean, uh, that's the thing. Like it's the Muppet version of James Bond. So, in my opinion, I guess maybe it doesn't matter. But you got a point there. Which one's British? So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all right, so my pick of the night, my number three is Bullet Train. Um, did you ever see Bullet Train? I still haven't seen this one. Oh, dude. Uh, I need to check Netflix. it out. Just put it on. <laughs> True. Um, it's such such a fun movie. It was it was a surprise of a movie. It was the watch the trailer. This looks cool. I'm going to go have a good time. And that is exactly what it was. And that is sometimes that's exactly what you want from a. Uh, sometimes it's exactly what you want from a movie is just go in, have a good time, go in blind. You don't know anything, but it's one of those movies where it's like big cast of characters, a lot of different characters that are all somehow connected to each other. And as you're learning the story threads, guns come out, swords come out, it gets violent, it gets funny. Like, it's just so much fun, man. Um so, yeah, it's one of those, I had a great time at the movies, and that's sometimes all you need, so. Nice. Yeah. All right, anyway, so, yeah, bullet train for me, so. Uh, what do you got for your next one, your second-to-last pick of the night? Yeah, so my second-to-last pick, I went with The Batman. Hey, um, we matched. <laughs> awesome. That's if, awesome. I was wondering if we were going to match on this one, but. This was a uh, this was an amazing movie in so many different ways. Um, you have an awesome story. You have an amazing cast. Like, I feel like every cast member in this movie really portrayed their role so well. And you just kind of you watch the movie and you forget. I personally kind of forgot that I was watching the actors like I wasn't thinking like, oh, this is Robert Pattinson. I was like, oh, no, that's Bruce Wayne. Or um, especially, I mean, we've mentioned uh, Colin Farrell so many times, but like he did such a good job portraying portraying his role, but also like his makeup was so well. And that's like such another thing to bring up is like the movie's makeup and uh, costume work and just the production design in general was just next level in this film. But when it comes down to it, my two favorite parts of this movie, and this is something that we that I mentioned back when we when we first reviewed this movie on our show, Drew, is how at the very beginning of the film, you get this uh, monologue where you have just shots of Gotham and you have like this internal monologue of just what Batman's thinking about his city and his duty to his city and all the gritty, dark details of what goes on. And that sequence just felt so much straight out of the comics to me. Like, I feel like there's so many times I've read comics where you see random bits of crime and random bits of like all the gritty Gotham details. And you just have those Batman caption boxes that are narrating like his thoughts and what he needs to do. And it just felt so straight out of the comics in a way that I'd never seen in a Batman film. And I was just like, this is so perfect. Like it's so good. And it was such a good way to open that movie. But my other favorite part, and this is another thing I've mentioned is this movie really made Gotham city feel like its own character. Gotham feels yeah, like its own so. environment. It has its own 
character, its own traits to it. It has its own personality, if you will. Like it looks like a city, but in a lot of times it feels almost like a cave or a dungeon with the way it's filmed, which with the uh, color grading, like so many different details with the way it's always raining. Like it almost feels like you're in some deep sort of weird cave atmosphere, even though the images you're seeing are totally, you know, a dark, dingy city. But it the movie did such a good job of pulling off the character of Gotham in a way that I've never seen before. So that's the other thing that I love. But I could go on and on about the things this movie did great. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I really appreciate you bringing up the I, I really appreciate you bringing up one, the internal monologue. Because that's something I think that no Batman movie has ever tried to do. Absolutely. That's that thing where, like, you're watching the movie and you're like, am I watching the movie? Am I reading a comic book? Yeah. Which is what you want from every comic book movie. Marvel, (laughs) are you paying attention? Every comic book movie should feel that way. Um, And you totally got that. Um. Yeah, it was a little bit darker than I think. I mean, it's dark compared for Batman movies. I felt this was probably one of the darkest ones, but that subject matter because they were trying to tackle the Riddler in a very specific serial killer kind of a way. But it lent for what was going on. And it was amazing. Um, And I like that you brought up the fact I like that you brought up the. um, uh, the characters and not knowing, not thinking, oh, I'm watching Colin Farrell. I'm I'm watching uh, Zoe the Kravitz. Penguin. Oh, I'm watching um, uh, Robert Pattinson. What's interesting about what's interesting about comic book movies and stuff like Star Wars, Star Trek, the genre films, if you will, is that when I talk about um, Let's say I'm talking about the movie uh, Forrest Gump. I know his character's name is Forrest Gump, but I might say, do you remember that one episode, that one scene where Tom Hanks and, uh, you know, was talking to this person? I didn't say Forrest Gump, did I? I said Tom Hanks. Or I'm watching um, talking about Pretty Woman and I say, do you remember that one scene where Julia Roberts and Richard Gere? I didn't say their character (laughs) names, did I? But every time I talk about Han Solo... I talk about Han Solo or every time I talk about Batman or Wolverine or Iron Man, I'm talking about the characters. I'm not using their character names or I'm not using their actor names. I'm not saying Robert Downey Jr. was talking to Chris Evans in this one scene in the Avengers film. I said Captain America and Iron Man were having a conversation in the Avengers film. Genre films do that. And this was a movie where you really did forget that there were actors playing the characters and you were just in it for the story itself and we're sucked in and they did such an amazing job with it. The movie, um, I've only watched the movie once and it bothers me as a Batman fan. I've only watched the movie once and I keep telling myself, turn it on and watch it again because I've watched all the Batman movies multiple times. This is such a dark subject movie that I don't turn it on when I'm (laughs) because I don't know who's going to walk in the room that shouldn't be seeing a movie like that yet, um, you know, when you have a kid in the house. So I think that's part of the reason. But um, it is high on my list of need to watch again issues. So, yeah, it's uh, really it is a really like long movie, too. And it, it is a real like slow burn sort of thing where it's I feel like this is the movie. This isn't the movie that you watch every day of the week in like that sort of Star Wars sort of way. Not. I feel like. 
<laughs> it hasn't been for me because I've only watched it like twice, I think. But I think this is a movie that you watch like once a year. Like it has sure. that more like Lord of the Rings sort of thing. Like, oh, it's time to read Lord of the Rings again. Like it's time to watch the Batman again. Like I feel like it's because it's so dark and because it is a long, slow burn. You don't watch it every day, but you watch it, you know, once a year, once or twice a year. And you still just get drawn into it. And uh, maybe it's just it's just a different beast in that way. If that makes sense. So. Yeah, I got you. Well, anyway, it's an amazing, amazing movie. And if for some reason you didn't see this movie, do everything you can to see it at this point. Like, it's so good. So. Absolutely. Yeah. One of, one of the more unique movies of the year, too, which is weird. To, you don't always say that about a superhero film, but uh, for sure. No, you really don't. Okay. You, you really don't say that about superhero movies very often. But yeah, good call. Um. All right, man. I matched with you, so I'm throwing it back. I, <laughs> We're probably going to match again. Probably going to match but, uh, too, but... Uh, <laughs> My final pick is uh, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Um, it had it, to top my list. Same. This is the movie that I've seen the most this year. Not just on video, but in theaters. I think I saw this movie three times. Uh, my wife, I think, might have gone uh, five times. <laughs> You include times she went with like different family members and stuff. Excellent. But Excellent. this movie was an awesome theater experience. It was a spectacle. It gave you crazy effects, but we've talked about it before. So many of them were done practically and it gave you like this movie delivered on a storyline that I feel like it's one of those almost like universal level stories where everybody can relate to it in a way. And it just felt so, it just felt like the movie everybody could get behind. And in a weird way, I feel like we haven't gotten a movie that everybody can get behind like this for quite some time. And I think the movie really delivered in that regard and pair that with Tom Cruise appearing in theaters before you see the movie hit him uh, himself appearing on the big screen saying, thank you for coming to see this movie. I appreciate you. And I'm excited to show you this piece of cinema we have put together. And it would just, it just was, a, it just was awesome, you know, and I, it's one of those top gun was definitely the movie of the summer last year. And I don't know what's going to be the movie of the summer this year, but whatever it is going to be has big shoes to fill. So drew, we've gone on and on about this. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts here? What do you want? I really don't know if there's anything else to say on it. It's just (laughs) literally like, here's the thing in all fairness. I, like I said, I have not gotten the chance to see everything everywhere all at once yet. So I, I, I would be willing to put money on the fact that that would probably make my list if I had a chance to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we're being a little ill-informed watching this doing this list however um this is the movie i watched the most repeated times um which speaks volumes when you look at these movies like what are you watching you know we all have these you know a lot of people now these they see a movie and they're done i like to watch everything like twice just to kind of soak it in this is a movie that i watched enough times that my wife said are we really watching this again yes we are um (laughs) You know, like it's it's such a good movie and it hits all in the right places and it's an achievement in filmmaking. And it as according to Steven Spielberg, it um, saved the industry, um, single handedly saved the industry. And he's probably right. What's 
interesting to me about the fallout of Top Gun Maverick is what's going to happen to the theater going experience now? Did we all learn something from Top Gun, not just on a practical film filmmaking scale, but on the let's get everyone back to the theater for film for an experience at the theater. Right. Let's, you know, like when you look back at like the 80s, for example, every movie that came out, you were going to the theater for an experience. Yeah. And we haven't had that in a really long time. And Top Gun Maverick really showed everybody what a true theatrical experience can be. And there we go. So. (laughs) And there's a bag. There's a bag to unpack about what worked about Top Gun Maverick that maybe doesn't work about other like big budget films out there and what, you know, Hollywood studios need to do to make sure people come keep coming to the theater in a post pandemic world. And there's a that's like a whole episode in itself. If you want to get into all those details. Uh, One other thing I did want to say about Top Gun, though, because one of the common criticisms and I've been hearing this a lot lately is people saying that. Top Gun Maverick doesn't have a clearly defined villain. Like people forget what uh, country they're going into. Like what's the main plot? Like I don't understand like the mission. It's not named what country they're going into and it's done on purpose. But and I'm glad you said it's done on purpose because the point I was going to say is, is the movie really about that villain? And the answer is no. The movie is about the team. The movie is about Maverick. The movie is about Rooster and Hangman and Bob and all the other team members and their relationship and how they end up pulling off this amazing mission and their trials and tribulations along the way. And the villain in the end of it is kind of not as important as all those details. So I think you need to I feel like people who are making that criticism don't really understand the film in a weird way. So that's the only other thing I wanted to say that's about a, it. That's an interesting point. And they probably don't. The the thing about the movie is that they one of the things that made the first movie timeless is they never actually declared who the villain was in the original film either. Exactly, exactly. And because and as soon as you say it's the Russians or it's China or whatever, it automatically dates the film. Yeah. It puts a timestamp on it. Because they didn't name the villain, it the villain it makes it a timeless movie and it'll remain timeless and it'll st- always be beloved for what it is so it's the cinematic experience so it doesn't matter who the villain is because that's not what it's about they have a mission the bad guys whoever they are have this thing that we got to stop otherwise it's going to be a problem for us so we're putting together the team to do the following and we need you to teach the team so they can do the following you know what i mean like that's Mm -hmm. the whole point of the movie that's the whole plot right there um, it's a simple story, but that's the whole thing. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. just talking about this, I kind of just want to go watch Top Gun Maverick. Again, yeah, let's let's all honest. do it. Let's all do it. We're at the end of the list anyway, which puts us at the end of the show. So let's shut this down and go watch Top Gun, shall we? <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so because we're at the end of the show, Peter, what are we doing next week? Because it's actually your pick. You had to push it aside for a week. Absolutely. I have a little bit of an off the wall pick next week, but I'm excited for it. Um, I want to talk about our top five tech gadgets from our childhood next week. So the the best way I could explain this list is if you remember in the movie Home Alone 2, 
Kevin McAllister had a talk boy and that talk boy he had on him at all times. And it was the uh, subject of a ton of hilarious gags in the film. But that's kind of what I want to know is like, what are your talk boy gadgets from your childhood? You know, what are those bits of tech you had as a kid that are probably outdated nowadays, but just your favorite electronic toys. And I thought this would be fun to talk about from just a retro electronics sort of topic point, if that makes sense. So that's kind of what I was thinking when I picked this. Um, Technically, you could include video game consoles, but I kind of don't want the entire list to be only consoles. So I guess keep that in mind. But I mean, I might I might include like a handheld console or something like that on my list. So, yeah. Yeah, I hear you there. This is going to be a hard list. Yeah, it will be. It will be difficult, but I think it'll be fun to talk about when we put it all together. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's going to be a real tough list, but let's see how it plays out, man. Absolutely. Um, All right. So until next week, when we talk about this one, um, do us all a favor, everyone. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along to a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show either way. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Audible, Amazon. Um, I might have missed one. I hope I didn't. Um, you can subscribe to us in those places. Um, if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, And that's where I will be reminding you that the way you get superpowers is to first get really radioactive and then get an animal to bite you. <laughs> oh, is that how it works? <laughs> yep, that's how it Be works. Radioactive first. Okay. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> great. We're teaching great messages to the kids. All right. <laughs> Everybody, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you.